peoples of the worldwide federated internet. What's good? classic me fashion i recorded this whole episode went all about my way and lo and behold i had my audio channel opened again and got that weird feedback on my intro so i decided you know what i can't let it fly this time i gotta do this episode over i hate letting things like that fly sometimes i'll let it fly if i don't have time but I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to my podcast. That doesn't mean that I got everything right. I'm just saying I like my stuff to be a certain way and I try to build into this podcast as much quality as possible because I figured to myself, you know, even though this is just an extension of my Bible study and I'm really just, it's kind of therapeutic and I'm doing this more for me than anything, honestly, I am. But if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to put it out, I want it to be as good as possible. Anyway, I was thinking about a bunch of things today and I was in the the Gospel of Matthew, I believe, chapter seven. But I could have that mistaken where the Lord Jesus Christ makes the statement, judge not lest ye be judged. And then he goes on to explain the manner in which you judge, that judgment will be upon you as well. And he also goes on to express that you should cast a moat out of your eye before you make an attempt to cast a moat out of your brother's eye. So you can't even see clearly you have something wrong with you and you're trying to correct someone else. I've the reason that was on my mind, and this is something that is funny how when God starts working on you about certain things, how you're in denial, you're like, nah, that's not, I'm not doing that. And then you start reading through verses and it's like, yo, time to be humbled. I think a lot of us do this, right? We spend a bunch of time judging other people. We, we look at the things other people have done. We might look at some actions other people take and we judge whether they're right or wrong. We judge their motives. And I think for me personally, I can't speak for anyone else. And I've said this before. What I realized as I was reading through those those verses in the book of Matthew is, yo, there's a lot of stuff that I need correction on. There's a lot of work I need in my own life. Who am I to go around trying to check somebody else? Like, am I now the judger of the law? Have I perfected everything in the Bible now where I can jump down somebody else's throat or cur- critique what someone else is doing. Now that doesn't mean I think some people get the false perception like that means you can't acknowledge when something is sin. Like, yo, this is sin. Definitely something that shouldn't be done. There's a difference from that and, and becoming, you know, the almighty judge in your own mind. And I think that's what happens many times. I want to stay away from that because I got enough issues 
trying to, you know, keep keep up with my own sin and my own issues. I don't really have time to be focused on something someone else has wrong. Now, hopefully I can be an encouragement to people. And uh, my 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 goal and my desire is to walk with God in such a way that other people are inspired to walk with God. Right. That's a that's a better outcome. I, when I think about loving my neighbor as myself, I think it, it it has benefited me more when I've seen someone who I get the perception that they're walking with God and I've interacted with those people. That has had more effect toward me walking with God than somebody playing, you know, uh, uh a totalitarian role. Again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with pointing out when something is wrong and when something is sin, but I think you guys get what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that where we get to the point where we feel like we're trying to orchestrate other people's lives and trying to, you know, shape them one way or another. <laughs> Man, I got I got enough on my own plate. I'm definitely have not arrived to the point where I can do that anyway. We are going to the book of Exodus chapter 38 and verse one. Let's get into this. And y'all know the drill. It's going to be a lot of reading. All right. So, and he made the altar of burnt offerings of shittim wood. Five cubits was the length thereof and five cubits the breadth thereof. It was four square and three cubits the height thereof. And he made the horns thereof on the four corners of it. The horns thereof were of the same, and he overlaid it with brass, and he made all the vessels of the altar, the pots, and the shovels, and the basins, and the flesh hooks, and the fire pans, all the vessels thereof made he of brass. And he made for the altar a brassen gate of network under the compass thereof, beneath unto the midst of it, and he cast four rings for the four ends of the grate of brass to be places for the staves. And he made the staves of shittim wood and overlaid them with brass. And he put the staves into the rings of the sides of the altar to bear it withal. And he made the altar hollow with boards. And he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass of the looking glass of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he made the court on the south side, southward, the hangings of the court were a fine twined linen and hundred cubits. Uh, their pillars were twenty and their brass and sockets twenty. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. And for the north side, the hangings were an hundred cubits. Their pillars were twenty, and their sockets of brass twenty. The hooks of the pillars, and their fillets of silver. And of and for the west west side were hangings of fifty cubits. Their pillars ten, and their sockets ten. Their hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the east side eastward fifty cubits. The hanging of the one side of the gate were fifteen cubits, their pillars three, their sockets three. 
and for the other side of the court gate on the hand and that hand were hangings of 15 cubits, their pillars three and their sockets three. All the hangings of the court round about were fine twine linen and the sockets of the pillars were of brass, the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver and the overlaying of their chapters of silver and all the pillars of the court were filleted with silver and the hanging for the gate of the court was needlework of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen and 20 cubits was the length and the height and the breadth was five cubits answerable to the hanging of the court and their pillars were four and their sockets of brass four their hooks of silver and the overlaying of their chapters and their fillets of silver and all the pins of the tabernacle and of the court round about were brass this is the sum of the tabernacle even of the tabernacle of testimony as it was counted according to the commandment of moses for the service of the levites by the hand of ithamar the son of aaron the priest and basileel the son of uri the son of hur of the tribe of judah made all the lord made all that the lord commanded moses and it's kind of interesting that he was of the tribe of judah i don't think that's i don't think that's a, a insignificant detail i don't think any of the of these things are insignificant details if it was recorded and preserved and in the bible i believe it's something that uh, was useful helpful and needed knowledge to us verse 23 and with him was aholiab the son of amishak of the tribe of dan an engraver and a uh, and a cunning workman and an embroiderer of blue and in purple and in scarlet and fine linen all the gold that was occupied for the work all the work of the holy place even the goal of the offering was twenty and nine talents and seven hundred and thirty shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary and the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was an hundred talents and a thousand seven hundred and threescore and fifteen shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary a becca for every man that is half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary for every one that went to be numbered from twenty years and upward four six hundred uh four six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty men that's a lot of people I want I want to stop there and I want you to think about something. It says for six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty men. I want you to think about the, the populations and the civilizations at this time. Population sizes were not big, especially in many cities. Uh, as I've been doing my research on the Assyrian Empire. What I discovered is at the time, the Assyrians had 
the largest standing army in history to date. And I believe uh, the number of their army was somewhere around 10 or 20,000. If I'm not mistaken, it wasn't it wasn't many. And if you if you do any research and any looking into civilizations at that time, now, remember, this is thousands of years ago. Right. Civilizations were a lot smaller. So this is a lot of people. God definitely multiplied these people in Egypt for sure. Right. So you can kind of see how even though the fears of of the Egyptians were definitely exaggerated by Pharaoh, you can kind of see what was in Pharaoh's mind. He was thinking, yo, these people are growing like weeds, like they're going to overcome us and this is going to be a problem. That's what he thought, even though they presented no problem to him to that point. Uh, verse 27. And of the hundred talents of silver were cast uh, the sockets of the sanctuary and the sockets of the veil and a hundred sockets of the hundred talents, a talent for a socket. And uh, and of the thousand seven hundred seventy and five shekels, he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid their chapters and filleted them. And the brass of the offering was seventy talents and two thousand and four hundred shekels. And therewith he made the sockets of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the brassen altar and the brassen grate for it and all the vessels of the altar and the sockets of the court round about and the sockets of the court gate and all the pins of the tabernacle and all the pins of the court round about. I know a lot of this reading was probably dry. And I definitely understand that. Trust me, I get it. I have the same thought in my brain a lot of times when I read through chapters like this or when I read through portions of scripture like this. But I think the benefit of studying your Bible, reading your Bible, thinking about what's being said is sometimes later on, you might get a better understanding of what's happening in said chapter. So I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up when things are dry and I wouldn't give up when it seems like you're not getting anything out of it. Something that's said in, in the book of Hebrews, I'm, I'm going to go to it. I'm going to start in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter, uh, chapter five, verse 11. It says of whom we have many things to say and hard to be understood, un hard to be uttered, seeing that you're dull of hearing. So he has a lot of things to say to these people, but they can't comprehend right their hearing is dull for when for uh for when for the time ye ought to be teachers so you should be teaching people at this time ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of god and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat in this context when you see milk and strong meat it's talking about things that are a little deeper uh, hard to be understood versus things that are simple. And he's saying this is the time when really you should be on to these deep things, but you aren't. Well, why is that? It says for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, 
for he is a babe. Now, wording definitely matters. I don't know exactly how this is worded in other translations, but I'm 100% confident. However, it's worded, it has the same effect, right? Same meaning. So he says, everyone that's using milk, everyone that's on this simple stuff is not skilled in the word of righteousness. Now, there's a reason it said the word of righteousness for strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Walking with God and spending time in the word and the Bible is inseparable. And if you if you want to get to something, because imagine this, imagine God is trying to show you something, but you're still hung up on like some some sin, right? Something like I, and I think I, I this makes me think about my own life. Like God is trying to God is in the process of sanctifying you, right? Purification. You walk in with God. So if you constantly have these issues you have to work through, you can't even get to the strong meat. And the reason I said all of that is to encourage you to stay in your Bible, right? Because as you mature, as you walk with God, there are things that made no sense to you early on that at some point will begin to make perfect sense. I can't speak for everyone, but I know especially I would say in the past I'd say in the past two years and a half, that has definitely happened for me. There's things that I did not understand early on, and there would have been no way for me to understand it. Not because the Holy Spirit wasn't at work. The Holy Spirit was definitely at work in my life, but I wasn't in submission. Right. So uh, there's there's things that I needed to weed out. There's some things that I needed to take care of. And without taking care of those things, it was almost like I couldn't pass go. And. That's kind of my my line of thinking that when I read the book of Hebrews, chapter five, verse 11 through 14. And I think that's what happens when we get to these seemingly dry portions of scripture. They will make sense at some point. If, if God allows you to live long enough and to study your Bible long enough, these things will make sense. That's kind of what excites me. The amount of times I've gone back to verses that made absolutely positively no sense the first time I read them. The amount of times I've gone back to those verses like, yo, what? How on the planet did I miss this? It's like a veil's been lifted. And I think that happens with maturity. And you can't really get to maturity if you don't deal with righteousness and walking with God. So that's something I wanted to kind of encourage people with, because I know it's definitely something I needed. And trust me, I had to get these things the hard way. I hope that's not you. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.